Good morning. I'm glad to be able to share with you Easter message. You know, I was thinking of Easter as probably one of the greatest holiday that we as Christians celebrate. And I know Christmas is all tied in with this. But I think of the, the death and the resurrection and Jesus going to the grave and thinking about what would it be like if we didn't, if he wouldn't have rose. And I'd say that we all would have no hope. We would all be lost, and we would all spend eternity away from God. But another aspect of the resurrection that makes it so important is the connection between God's present work, or past work, and now his future work, and how God had worked with the children of Israel, and how the Bible was all put together. And if it wasn't for the resurrection, it would have all stopped. So I'm grateful for the resurrection. I would like to go to Mark <clears throat> chapter 16 for the, for the message. And there's a couple things that kind of stood out to me, and I'd like to share that with you. Mark chapter 16, I'll read the first 13 verses. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, had brought, had bought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. And they said among themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in white, a long white garment, and they were affrighted. And he saith unto them, Be not affrighted. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way, tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you in Galilee. There shall ye see him as he has said unto you. And they went out quickly and fled from the sepulcher, for they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. Now when Jesus was risen early in the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, of whom he had cast out seven devils, and he went and told them that he and she went and told them that had been with him as they mourned and wept. And they, when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, believed not. After that he appeared to the in another form unto two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it unto the disciple, uh, to the residue, neither believed they them. So the story starts out with Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of, of uh, James, and Salome. Now, if you would look at the life of Mary Magdalene, you would have seen of how Christ worked in her life in casting out the seven devils. And 
we don't have a lot of information on Mary, um, the mother of James. If you go back to chapter 15, it says Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph. And so those two Marys were there at the crucifixion and they saw the crucifixion happen. They seen where the they buried the in the tomb and then they went back and they prepared um, some spices to anoint the body of Christ. But being on the Sabbath day, he couldn't they couldn't do that. They had to stay home and observe the, the Lord's day. So then they Salome, which would have also been, you don't met, uh, she would have probably been at the crucifixion, but um, whether she observed this, we don't know, but her name wasn't mentioned. But Salome would, they thought maybe would have been the mother, she would have been the mother of James and John, which were two of the disciples, the wife of Zebedee. So anyways, they were coming early in the morning, and they were going to anoint the body of Christ. And because of, of the Sabbath, they had to wait till the sun rose. Now, if you go to James, it says it was still dark. And here it says early in the morning. And I would guess that it was dark when they left, or almost light. You know how you've seen sunrises and how it's dark, and then you can see the kind of the sun coming up over the horizon. And... At the last minute, when the Sabbath was officially over, then they went and present, uh, were going to anoint the body. So then, as they were proceeding to the tomb, I can imagine them talking. Uh, Mary asked, saying something to Mary. Say, you know, we've seen this large stone rolled up against the sepulcher, or against the tomb, the door. How are we going to move that? being two ladies, three ladies with Salome. And they, no doubt, were talking about that. But they figured, well, surely somebody would be in there, like a gardener that could help them or, or something. So they get to the tomb. And if you read the other accounts and kind of put them together, you see that an angel came and rolled away the stone. Now, there were some things that happened here that I don't know if if they would have realized, if Mary would have realized it, and maybe not, maybe went, but they'd also sealed the tomb, and that seal was a a guard by the Jewish um, court, and they, they, there was... You just couldn't go up and uh, roll that stone away without picking up a fight. So the angel came down, rolled away the stone. There was an earthquake. The keepers became as dead men, and they went into, yeah, they, they fled. This was probably one of the, this was the first thing that probably impressed upon me was noticing the power of God. You know, this was a stone in their life, and they, they saw that. 
and, and anyways, God showed his power. I want to talk more about that here in a little bit. But I, asked, I wondered, why did God roll away the stone? I mean, did when Christ resurrected, did he come out of the tomb from the rolling of the stones? Well, I, I don't think so. He was able to pass through the stones. He, you know, later on passed through the walls of when he talked to the apostles. The apostles suddenly he showed up in a room. But I think he did it for us to see, or for the people then to see that the tomb was empty. There was no conspiracy theory that was you could present. You know, they did go in and say, well, they, did, they stole the body of Christ and they hid it somewhere else. And that's a theory that they believe today. But Jesus allowed, or God allowed the ladies to go into the tomb and see that the tomb was empty and then had an angel sitting at the right hand where Jesus had laid and said, why are you here? Did you not know that Christ was to, to arise? And going into the tomb there in, in Israel, we saw, you know, where they would have lay a body and then they could lay another body to the right. And so when Jesus was laid in there, no one else was laid in there with him. So the, uh, the angel sat on the right set, side and showed to him that, Jesus had risen. And they were amazed. And I, I can imagine, and I would feel the same way, but they were amazed. He, he's, a, he's risen. It's like, how did this all happen? I want to go to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19. We see how, this, uh, how Christ was risen uh, if I can find it here. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward, who believed according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. So we see that Christ, in his power, showed his power to the whole world and to us today of raising Christ from the dead. And this is the second thing I noticed about the power of God. Is God power limited today? And I think sometimes we have allowed that to happen. Jesus showed his power, showed to his disciples. He had, first of all, he had explained that this is what's going to happen. He was going to, resur- he was going to go to Jerusalem, he was going to suffer, and he was going to die, and then he was going to resurrect. He explained that to the disciples all along the way. But they didn't connect the dots, I guess, So even probably within a week or two weeks before he walked in Jerusalem for the last time, he showed to them his power, the power of God. 
Remember the story of Lazarus and how he had been dead for four days. And, you know, then Jesus shows up and Mary says, you know, why hadn't you come here sooner? Our brother would still be alive. And Jesus explained to her that um, your brother is going to rise again. And, of course, Mary Martha knew that she would, that he would. They did believe that in the last, when, you know, when it's all done, that they would resurrect. But I want to read a couple verses in John chapter 11 on that story. Verse 25. And six, he said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? And Martha says, yes. Jesus says, I am the resurrection. Now, he could not have resurrected if God be that resurrection if God did not rise him. Uh, uh, rise him? Did not rise him up. So we see the power of God. Again, moving the obstacles that are in the way to show his glory, his power, and then to actually do the work that he did. Then if you go down to verse 42 and 43, he says, And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which I which stand by I said it, that they might believe, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. So he did this. He rose Lazarus from the dead to show to the people the power of God. And I'm thinking, the power of God to be able to do all this, and yet I look at my life, and how much has the power of God revealed himself to me, and I had totally missed it. You know, think of the big stones in your paths in your life right now. Think of the, um, maybe you're thinking of some areas that maybe God has been speaking to you, but you just can't conquer it. You know, maybe it's a, a financial situation that seems too big. You just can't get over it. Maybe it's um, relationship that God has been speaking to you about, but you just can't seem to work it out. Maybe it's a health issue you've been struggling with. Or maybe it's addiction that you have that God has been speaking to you about. A big stone, and you just can't get it moved. Well, what did God just do? Is God too bit too small? I think of the children of Israel as how they were had their backs to the Red Sea and the Egyptian army was coming. And I, I could just see that. And they were crying for God to help. What did God do? He parted the Red Sea and they they walked away. I think of the uh the 
story of the widow's oil. You know, her her financial situation was to the point where she was to lose her sons. What did God do? Took a barrel of oil and or a pot of oil and just filled many, many pots for her to sell. And, you know, you can see the story of the three Hebrew children thrown into the fire and how God was able to protect them in 300-degree temperature. And we see how Elijah, you know, being fed with the ravens, we just, story after story of the Old Testament where you see how God was with the children of Israel and with the people. That's the God that is living within me. Can I overestimate the power of God? And I think we can. I think of what's going on in the world today. You know, just a month ago, we were, the economy was booming. People had jobs. Um, people were happy. Um, yeah, people were about their business. Didn't have time for each other and so on. And how God can take a little virus and stop the whole world. And I don't know if you've noticed it or not, but I've noticed people more friendlier when you see them. I see people wave. Um, Steph David mentioned it in town there in Waukee. You see people walking by they didn't even know they lived in the neighborhood. So God is, God is working. But the power of God to be able to do that is incredible. And yet that power of God is the same God that can help me through those stones those things in my life. Going back to the story in Mark, we see in chapter 16, or in 16, uh, verse 8, it says, and they went out quickly after they had conversed there with the angel, and they went out quickly and fled from the sepulcher, for they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. And if we go to Matthew 28, 8, it says they departed with fear and great joy. And it's like it's, it's a confused state of mind. You know, in, in one part of their, they were great joy. In another part, they were great fear. And think about what they were doing. You know, here's this Messiah that was coming and going to, to rule the world and be a savior to the Jews. And, you know, and then they, he taught them the ways of God, and, and then he comes to a point in their life where he says, um, he's going to die, you know, and they probably didn't connect the dots. I think, you know, how can someone who raised someone from the dead actually themselves um, be killed? But God did. He was able to do that. But after they had seen that, they went to the tomb. They saw him uh, crucified and put into the grave. And then he went into the tomb, and it was finished. And then they come to the, to the tomb, and it's empty. And he, can you imagine what they're thinking? Um, you know, probably thinking, well, yeah, he said he would. And so, you know, it's just, I can just see how they were in a state of confusion, like their minds were going all over. So what does that mean to us as 
we as Christians today, all of us out into this world as we celebrate Christmas, or Christmas, Easter, what does that mean to us? I want to go to Romans chapter 8, verse 11. It says, For, But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell, dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken or make alive your mortal bodies by the Spirit that dwelleth in you. So do you get that? The spirit of him that rose Christ from the dead is that same spirit that's in your life to raise you from the dead. And you say, well, I'm not dead. But yes, you are. Our bodies came into this world with a sin nature and our bodies needs to die of that sin nature. Well, Christ died and gave us power over the fallen nature. It gives us a new life. The old has passed away, and now we're living a new life. So as I think about that, of celebrating the resurrection of Christ, thinking that this is, because of this, I now have a new life. Because of this, my, my sinful life, all those things, those hurts, all those pains, all those bitterness, health issues, broken relationships, all those things are forgiven and I'm made free from that. And he gives me power to be free from that. And I think that's something that all of us should say, Hallelujah. He has risen is because of that new nature uh, that he has given to us. And it's not the sinful nature, but it's the new nature in him. The power of him is living within us. That's just something that I think we need to really emphasize. Our lives are full of death. It talks about two deaths, I think, in the Bible. We're, we talk about the, the death of the our bodies, you know, coming to the end of life and we're going to die and then we're going to resurrect. And we think of that through this time. But yet, the resurrection is also death to the sinful nature. The, the old man dying in this new life, resurrecting and living a victorious Christian life in this present world, a sinful world. I want to go to First Peter chapter 1, verse 3. He says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of the Jesus Christ from the dead. So that lively hope that we have, and that hope is not just a hope of the what's in the future, but it's that hope now that we can live through this life victoriously, that we can have the strength of God working in my life to go work through details that I can't seem to, to take care of myself. And then we look forward to leaving this old 
crippity body and the struggles that we have and put it all behind and, and go to be with him. In 1 Corinthians, there's a lot of, that whole ch- chapter talks about, uh, 1 Corinthians 15 talks about the resurrection. You know, if it hadn't been for the resurrection, you know, we wouldn't need to be even here talking about it because it, it would be of no value. But we come to the last couple verses in chapter 15. I want to read 51 to 57. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of the eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when the corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of the sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I'm thinking, you know, we don't like to talk about death, but in all reality, this life is but a vapor. And this life is a preparation of what we dream of and far beyond what we dream of in the future. You know, a life of, of, of a body that never dies, where we aren't constantly being tempted to, to do what we know is, is wrong. And we have people not getting along with each other because of different gifts and so on. And to think about all that behind, you know, we look forward to that. But yet when we come to the threshold of passing from this life to the next, it is a struggle. But think about, as the resurrection, we can face that with full confidence that life is going to be better, and then we can come to that rejoicing and looking forward to the marriage supper of the Lamb to be with Him. So if our sins are forgiven and we are living for God, there is no condemnation when we meet the Savior in the air or meet God in the air. And the reason we can is because of the death and the resurrection. I want to go to Colossians chapter 1, or 3, verse 1. You know, in thinking about us in our life here on this earth, um, living that new life, living that resurrection, re- resurrected life, I like re- what Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2 says, If ye then, if then ye be risen with Christ. So, if we are risen with Christ, how does that change my life? It says, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things of this earth. So because of the resurrection, because of my old life 
being resurrected to a new life in my body, he's saying here that I don't seek those things of this world anymore. My kingdom is not here. Those things that maybe weigh us down and cause us to be discouraged in life isn't, sure, at times it does, but yet it shouldn't. Because we are putting our faith and trust in a new kingdom. That kingdom that is, that I'm putting my treasures, the kingdom that I am laying or looking forward to, that I'm preparing my life to go to, where I draw, it draws my attention. It's, it's my goal in life is to go to another place, to his kingdom, and to dwell with him eternally. So have you given up your old life and allowed God to resurrect your life from the dead? And if we have, are you focusing on that new kingdom? Or is your focus here on the things of this earth? That's a, a question for each one of you to, to ask yourself this Easter season. Because of the resurrection, I can say I have hope. There's a song that we sing um, on Easter morning that I really like, and I thought this morning maybe we should sing it. Now, I'm not going to sing it, but um, I'm going to read it here, and, and then Gerald's going to give us a, a song to sing it, and then I'll close with that song. The song goes, Low in the grave he lay, Jesus my Savior, waiting the coming day, Jesus my Lord. Vainly they watched his bed, Jesus my Savior. Vainly they seal the dead, Jesus my Lord. Death cannot keep his prey, Jesus my Savior. He tore the bars away, Jesus my Lord. Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph of his foes. He arose in victory from the dark domain and he liveth forever with his saints to reign. He arose, hallelujah, Christ arose. So you can go ahead and sing along with this song as it's being played. <laughs> 